All right, Rush is back for the final hour. Teddy Lehman here at Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107. Travis Davidson, Connor Pasby back in studio. Um, man, we've hit everything today. Uh, we've hit offense, we've hit defense, we've hit um, top 25 coaches poll. I guess we we never really jumped into the conference realignment stuff. Um, what what else can really be said about it? Um, I think the Big 12 has done a good job positioning themselves. I think the Pac-12 has, uh, you know, languished way too long until the very last minute to try to save things. And um, some of the member institutions took uh, more secure deals. I, I don't think it's all that big of a deal. And I, I, I would want to ask you guys this one thing. There seems to be a bunch of people that are upset with how things have kind of unfolded and feel like the history and tradition of, of college football is being ruined. You guys fall into that camp at all? I personally don't because I feel like we're being selective with some things. I saw somebody list, uh, you know, all of the rivalries that are being lost. And, you know, it's like everything, you know, these days people got to have an angle, right? So, you know, they listed UCF and Tulsa as a rivalry that was uh, lost to realignment. Now, they didn't make mention of Texas and Arkansas or Texas and Texas A&M getting rivalries back that are much more storied than a UCF-Tulsa rivalry. You know what I mean? So I think I think either side you look at it, Teddy, I think the people that are anti-realignment are saying that, you know, these these rivalries are, are you know, being lost for, uh, you know, because of realignment. And the people that are, you know, for realignment will say, man, isn't it so cool that, you know, again, Texas and Texas A&M can play again. Maybe – Maybe OU and Arkansas can develop something uh, that's uh, nice and competitive since they're so close and it's a natural border. And and in Colorado, maybe maybe sparking up some things, getting back into a different conference, or you know, it's I, I think with that regionalism is gone. Of course, the the Big Ten saw to that, but I think I think that argument is grasping at straws just slightly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well. Everything really changed at the turn of the century. Uh, at that point, it was still really common for long tenured coaches to have been at programs for a really long time, through ups and through downs, and and you know just some historical names. But like, that's incredibly rare anymore. Everything is like so quick to be turned around. Like some co- some places hire a new coach every four years, and I mean it's just it, everything has has changed. I some of the layout has changed. Like we got playoffs now, and I don't know. I feel like it's it's just something that has been lurking that was an in, inevitability for quite some time didn't know how it was all gonna lay out and i don't think we necessarily still know how it's all gonna lay out i know 
it looks pretty locked in for the 24 season of, of what things are going to be, but I, I don't necessarily know how long term all of that's going to be. Like there may be some with the with the new playoff format, uh, people may change their minds really quickly on how things need to run. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's all going to be it's all going to be decided by the networks that are footing the bill for all of college football and all of these, you know, lavish programs and and all of the facilities and the inflated coaching salaries. I mean, that all comes from TV revenue. So right, they're footing the bill for the whole thing. And if they make a decision on what they want to see next, right, they can they can move the needle pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, but what they want is high-level competitive football that's got some intrigue, some fan intrigue. Because here's the thing. Like, yeah, the TV networks decide it, but the TV networks are going to largely base their decisions on what they think people actually want to see, right? Like, that, that's what – Oh, there's no doubt. Like, so, so – Absolutely. So, with that, like, yeah, it would behoove you to make good hires, and you know, in your coaching hires, to invest in facilities, to invest to, – to just operate like – like you should operate as an athletic department and a school just keep on doing those things that you should have been doing this entire time i don't care what era of realignment or even college football we're in you will be rewarded if you are good at what you do it is a meritocracy if you i mean look at oregon they weren't they didn't do anything for years now all of a sudden now everybody's like ooh oregon's on the move man that's a that is a big-time get. Clemson hadn't done anything pre-Dabo for the most part, and all of a sudden people are like, ooh, we got to keep an eye on what Clemson's going to do. Where are they going to go? Like, if you do things like that, like, look at what UCF's done. UCF wasn't even – I mean, when you look at what they've done in such a short amount of time, I mean, they've risen the ranks very quickly. So I, th- I think it just goes to show you that if you, again, make the right hires, if you make the shrewd moves – that no matter what the TV networks want to do, then you'll put yourself in a position to, you know, benefit from it. I kind of feel like the Big Ten and the SEC are, if, if we're saying that college football is sinking, then the Big Ten and the SEC feel like the lifeboats of the Titanic, and it feels like the Big 12 kind of was like Rose and found a door to float on, and yeah. they're still going to survive. And uh, I think Jack might be the pack 12, if you will, looks like they're going to uh, perish a bit now that the Pac-4 um, is, well, is all they've got left. To borrow from that uh, picture you painted a little bit, I to talk about the TV networks and, and like what the next step of conference realignment is, here's what I think it's going to be. The TV networks have forked over massive amounts of money to carry all of this live content well some of those games make them money some of those games cost them money Mm -hmm. right and the ones that cost them money are kansas and um north dakota state non-conference game or you know like these Mm -hmm. matchups that are unranked teams, teams that have both have losing records, teams that don't have fan bases, but because of these grant of rights deals, they have to carry all of these games and they have to staff it. They have to, I mean, 
it's a huge operation to put a game on television with all the cameramen and producers and all of the rigging and the crew that's calling it. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. And they lose money on a lot of those. Well, they don't want to lose money anymore. So just like the chick in Titanic who says, you know, I know I'm on this huge raft of a door, but there's no room for you. You can die in the freezing cold water. It's not going to be long before the next conference realignment isn't what conferences are adding teams. It's what conferences are getting rid of teams. Yeah, absolutely. Who no longer is adding to the bottom line? Let's thin things out a little bit. Let's get more good games between fewer teams and lighten the load a little bit on our bottom line for how much it costs us to put on all of these games that nobody's watching. That's the next thing. So keeping that in mind as kind of the next step, if you had to look at the quote-unquote power four conferences now that we seemingly have, who is the first team that gets cut from one of these power conferences, and what does Rutgers do next? <laughs> yeah, I – yes, I. it's the schools like that. I mean, that's – I think every conference has one or two or several of them. And I think we all kind of know who they are. The The teams you look at on the schedule and consider it a bye week, like we're not traveling to that one, um, may not even watch the game. That's whenever we're going to schedule our wedding or, or whatever. Like those are the teams, right? And I, it's nice as a, as a team to have some of those games on your roster or on your schedule rather because, hey, we may need a week here or there. Like we – you know, we need a little bit of a break. We need a couple of easy wins. Uh, we've been on the grind here. We've had to play three top 25 teams in a row. Let's let's play a Rutgers. And I know fans kind of are okay with that, and teams definitely are okay with that. Just look at their non-conferences. But the TV networks are not okay with that. They don't want to have to staff it and put it on TV and lose money on it. So... Like at the end, like that's the thing is what they say goes, and I could be totally wrong, but if I was to try and guess at what the next thing is, that would that would be what I say happens. What would the you, thinning of the herd? What would that even look like? Because you would have to get the conference presidents to kind of agree to it, right? It couldn't just be, hey, I'm 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 Jimmy Fox Sports uh, showing up at your front door of the uh, you know conference uh, you know headquarters saying, hey. We don't, we don't want to pay to uh, show this uh, team anymore, so you got to get rid of them. It's got to be voted on by the presidents, right? And then if that's the case, in like how would the presidents even – like what would it take to convince the presidents that they have to do that? Because obviously well, – let me give you the pitch right now, Travis. Okay. Let's say you're the president of uh, ABC University. Hey, uh, Mr. Davidson, we've got an idea for you. Right now, you guys split – a billion dollars between 16 teams how would you like to split a billion dollars between 10 teams can i get you on board with that how long do you think it would take you to say yes oh would would, wouldn't take me long no doubt but to your point earlier well what if uh what if those six teams that you're kicking out are my only six wins of the year 
Well, you're if, like eventually it's the, only well, hang on. If that's the case, Travis, you're not going to be the one getting the phone call. Well, true, but like <laughs> what the conference that just has LSU, Bama, Georgia, you know, you know, like four or five, like at a certain point, like the just the nature of a schedule will make somebody the bad ones. Like the argument about the Big Twelve right now is it's going to no, be a fast. But here's the here's the difference though. Those teams have huge fan bases, and they watch, and their their games, even when they're bad, their games still rate. That's the difference. Like it's it's not necessarily just wins and losses. Like you have to have. Uh, you have to have a really big fan base that still is very interested in your games and are going to watch you even whenever you have a 5-7 and seven season. Yeah. So, that sounded like Nebraska right there. Yeah, like, like uh, Nebraska. Like, a fan, uh, well, even a like fan Kansas, base. Like yeah. even like Kansas, like you can't kick them out because of basketball. Right. Right. Vanderbilt, they're going to be like, well, our baseball team's so good now. Well, come on, we, 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 we bring up the grade point average. But, uh, well, they're going to – They'll separate football. The network doesn't care. I mean, what do they care about basketball and and baseball and Olympic sports? They don't care. They're 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 televising football. How does Stanford feel right now? The fact that they have more national championships than any school in in D one history, and they've got a big time endowment, all this, that, and the other. They're always in the uh, what the Capital One Cup, whatever they call the Directors Cup or anything like that. And they're looking up, going, "Hey, wait a minute! Nobody wants us." Nobody. We got to go to the Mountain West now. What's going on here? But I've well, got. Why do you think that is? They have zero fan base. Hey, I mean, Pat no Fe- one watches their games. All of their alumni are off, you know, doing really important things around the world. Right? <laughs> I mean, they're the brains that move things around. Okay. They're the ones that are negotiating the TV deals. They're the ones that are, they're the ones that run the networks. <laughs> yeah, they're the Stanford graduates that do all that. But we're going to take running those deals, or they're you know watching esports. You know that's that's how that goes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're going to take an opening timeout. I got something. LSU had a little uh, excitement today at their practice. I want to get your take on it on the other side. Stay tuned. All right, all right. Welcome back. Hour three of the rush on K Rep, the home of Sooner fans. We've got Teddy Lehman out at uh, Newcastle Casino. We've got Travis and uh, Connor Pasby here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. And uh, Teddy, LSU had a little bit of an excitement uh, down in the bayou today. Uh, Wilson Alexander uh, reported a fight broke out at LSU practice during 11-on-11. Punches thrown, guys taken to the ground, multiple people involved. Malik Neighbors and Kyron Lacey got sent to the locker room, and your boy Harold Perkins didn't play another snap. So, uh, you know, is this is this a good sign? Does this mean you got a lot of competition, a lot of fierce competitors in the room? Uh, are fist fights at uh, at camp ever a good thing? Or, uh, you know, what do you think? Uh, I think, I, I, I guess I wouldn't necessarily say they're a good thing. But it can be it could be a sign of a of an intense, lively training camp. But that's not always the case. It can also be uh, a sign of some something under the surface within the team. You know, two guys don't always 
come to blows out on the field because they got tangled up a couple of plays in a row and had to keep blocking one another and, and got angry at each other. Sometimes it's because of something totally different, right? And then you get the opportunity whenever you come across each other out there on the field and try and take a shot at someone, and he knows why you're taking a shot because whatever that problem may be between you. So you just you never really know unless you're you know, in the locker room or, or on the team of, of what's going on. I mean, usually it's just what it seems like. Guys are competing very hard. Someone's trying to get the last push, the last, you know, go through the whistle. The other guy doesn't appreciate it. It spills over. Someone, you know, smacks you in the in the face mask with their palm and they've got their glove taped and it jars you and you go right back at them and, you know, no one's going to relent and be the guy that doesn't, doesn't fire back and it turns into a, a massive deal. Is your teammates on your side of the ball come over there to have your back and, the guys on the other side of the ball have have the other guys back, and it can it can spill over pretty quickly. I mean, that's most of the time what it is, but I mean, it can be a sign of you know something under the surface with a football team. If uh, I, I would use it as maybe a uh, maybe get some tutors out there, you know, get the uh, get the education side involved because if anybody <laughs> is punching a dude that is wearing a helmet then that person is clearly too dumb to be playing football uh, at the time. Maybe just need to be taught that, no, it is pretty dumb to punch a guy that's wearing a helmet. So um, other than that, you know, you typically hear about these things later in camp. You know, you get the, you get the coach uh, in the press conference saying, yeah, you know, they're just they're ready to hit somebody wearing a different uniform, right? That's, that's usually what, what you hear yeah. is things tend to boil over a bit. Guy on the uh, – on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line here at four zero five six five one three four three nine, he says, "Dang, I thought uh, I thought you were going to report somebody decked Brian Kelly." <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's why uh, Harold Perkins isn't playing any more snaps. Maybe that's that's what went down. Who knows? Could be, could be, but yeah, they're going to need him. He's probably the best uh, defensive player, maybe in the country, but uh, yeah, probably start. in the SEC. But uh, speaking of the defensive side of the ball you gotta you've got to take us to school real quick Teddy because Christy from the 405 says Teddy can you explain the difference between the Sam Will and Mike linebacker spots and what characteristics of a player are most well suited for each backer spot so I'll let you spin a bit well it's a little bit different in in every system uh, but generally speaking your Sam and your Will are outside linebackers. Your Mike linebackers considered is you know is the middle linebacker. Um, Mike and Sam are usually to the passing strength or to the uh, to the field. Will linebackers usually to the not necessarily the weak side of the formation, but to away from the passing strength. Um, you know your. Oftentimes, your will linebacker is the maybe your best linebacker that scheme-wise you can you can what they say cover him up with with defensive linemen in front to where that player can kind of be a focal point of the of the defense and can run and you you can go sideline to sideline because of how you can 
cover them up with some defensive linemen in front. Um, and you can rotate safeties down to, you know, to, to help them make some plays. Mike linebacker, typically, not always, but typically more of your thumper, more of your, who's always, almost always going to be in the box. Um, you know, any more with a lot of your trips, teams run trips, formations a ton that Mike Backer will be bumped out of the box in that, and in your will, linebacker is going to be left in the box. So some of those things can be confusing. But it typically, Sam linebacker is the outside linebacker to the strength. Mike linebacker is between the Sam and the will, and the will is the outside linebacker to, uh, air quotes, the weak side of the formation. That's pretty typically how it goes. Now, this day and age, you rarely see teams with all three linebackers out there unless it's a heavy formation, two or three tight ends. Um, that position is usually played by a nickel, and in Oklahoma's case, the cheetah. So whenever you hear the cheetah, that's our Sam linebacker. That's the cheetah position is, is just Oklahoma's Sam linebacker. So... Sam linebacker, cheetah, nickel, those are all interchangeable terms. And in the defense, they are all exactly the same thing. So if you have a, oh, let's just say your call is over cover three, over week three, rather. Over week three is the call. If you're in base, it's just over week three sam is to the strength mike is in the middle will is on the weak side of the formation but if you're a nickel and you have nickel over week three it is the exact same thing except you are in nickel and your your nickel is now your sam so it goes nickel is to the passing strength then the mike is in the middle and the will backer is away from the passing strength so those things are it's Nickel, Cheetah, Sam, 100% interchangeable pieces. It is the exact same position, schematically. Just played by a different player because of, you know, the personnel package of the offense. And whenever you have a dime, now the Sam is out and the Nickel is playing where the Sam played. And the Will is out and your dime is playing where the will was and the mic remains and oftentimes usually matter of fact your will stays out there but he's now playing the mic linebacker position does that make sense like so i would imagine you could see some dime this year because of how good we are in the secondary and if they go dime stutzman's going to be out there he'll be the remaining linebacker but He's not playing Will like he typically does. He'll be playing the Mike linebacker. So some of those things can get a little bit confusing, but just know that your Sam, your Nickel, and your Cheetah are all interchangeable. Same same exact position. Gotcha. Just, just spiced up a little bit in the terminology, you know, because it sounds a heck of a lot cooler to be playing the Cheetah position. It does. Yeah, the Cheetah or the Axe or the – 
spear or the whatever they call it. Okie Drink Slinger asks, is the cheetah what we used to call the Roy Backer? Yeah. Uh, I don't know who called it that. Is that was that a thing? I, I don't remember ever hearing Roy, that. So the answer is yes. Roy played nickel. Now, if we played, if we were in base where you have three linebackers out there, you have a Mike, a Will, and a Sam, well, then Roy was no longer playing the nickel. He would play strong safety. He would move back to his safety spot. So on first down, if the offense is out there in, in two tight ends and two backs and we're in base, we have three linebackers out there, we get a stop. Now it's second and ten. Now the coaches signal nickel from the sideline. Sam linebacker goes off the field. Roy Williams would come down and play the the nickel, and we would run a safety because he's no longer at strong safety. We'd run a safety in to play safety. So a Sam linebacker would be out, and a safety would be in. That's how that worked with Roy. Yeah, they caught the uh, text line says the Dave from Norm Dave from Norman says they called it the cash position at Iowa, and I can't determine whether or not they're being serious or they're uh, they're making a gambling joke. Either way, I mean it's good. <laughs> they may change it. Yeah, they may. They, maybe yeah, do. They may. Yeah, they may change it uh, to the rule following position. The uh, yeah, they might just name it the Decker. You're the Decker back. If you're the cash back now. So, the terms of service back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, appreciate you taking us to uh, linebacker school real quick, Ted. Uh, we're going to take a break. Just a couple more segments left in hour three in this final hour of the rush. Keep hitting the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Stay tuned. Alright, we are back. This is the rush on KREF, the home of Sooner fans. We've got Travis Davidson sitting in for the talented Tyler McComas, uh, who is off today. You know, as we gear up for football season, uh, you know, you get a couple days here and there, but we will be ready to go 25 days from now. 25 days, 17 hours, and 20 minutes and 42 seconds from now when OU kicks off their season got teddy layman out at newcastle casino teddy just uh you know gave us a little crash course on uh, the old linebacking position especially here in this defense and it it is no better i can think of no better endorsement teddy for the app than that segment right there because at different times during the season when whether you know people whenever you guys may be talking about it during the game or people are talking about it in press conferences or are referencing certain positions. Like people go on the KREF app, find this segment or that last segment, go to the podcast, record it, do everything, and just listen to that over and over. Listen to it as you go to bed. And you'll just wake up knowing more about the linebacker position. <laughs> you and 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 that way you won't have to send that same text two weeks from now about, hey, 
you know, can you explain this out of the other? Because you will be a pro. I'll be able to ask the text line, hey, who can break down these uh, backer positions for me? In the text line, over and over, we're going to get spammed with a hundred different texts from people who are all of a sudden professionals when it comes to breaking down the linebacker position. So download the KREF app. It's free in the App Store, crystal clear all across the globe. Check in from wherever, whenever, podcast, everything. It's fantastic. What you got going out there at Newcastle, Teddy? Uh, just hanging out. I'm outside the Front Row Sports Bar, like always. They've got all the TVs on. We've got off-track betting that's live across the country. We've got all the different sports on. Awesome place to come in and watch a game. Bartenders are excellent here. And uh, there's always good stuff going on here at Newcastle Casino. Love it. So did you see the clip the other day, Teddy, about uh, when uh, – uh, Brent Venables was, uh, you know, getting after Connor Near a little bit. May have maybe dropped a uh, a colorful colorful word or two and uh, getting after him on a drill. Did you see that clip? Yes, I did. What What was your immediate reaction to it? Obviously, you know, there was some talk last year of you know Brent Venables didn't have a get back coach, which we you know was a popular thing that he's always had as he was defensive coordinator. He always had that fire on the sideline. I mean, the the old videos and pictures of those veins popping as he's just screaming out onto the field. Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, after last season thought, man, uh, it'd be nice to get uh, some of that Venables bag, the, the one that'll absolutely get after you in the middle of it. So uh, do you think that was one that just got caught on camera and that's been happening the whole time? Uh, what, did you oh, think, yeah. what did you think yes, about old Connor ha- Nears? Welcome to the linebacking room. I've been, since Brent Venables has been here, I've been to, I don't know, 20-plus practice. I don't know how many practices I've been to. A bunch of them. Enough to comment is the point. Every single practice I've been to, that's the case. Every single practice I've been to uh, since he's been here as head coach, every, every practice I went to, uh, whenever he was defensive coordinator, every single practice I went to whenever I was a player, it's the same. There's nothing's changed. Good, good. Now you got Skalski in there uh, and Justin Broyles. Justin Broyles, have, uh, have you seen him out there? He seems uh, he was pretty hyped up uh, when Day McCullough, uh, Desan's younger brother who plays safety, he was in the 2023 class, um, he was pretty fired up after a couple of drills. Tell me what you think of Justin Broyles joining the staff. Uh, I think it's I think it's a good addition. I mean, you've got a a guy that he knows the ins and outs. He knows the inner workings of it. You know, he's he's obviously wanting to pursue a, uh, pursue a career uh, in that avenue. I, I mean, I think he I think he feels a nice spot. You know, I think he'll be able to learn. He'll be able to you know still has a connection there with the locker room and. It's always good to have a little bit of an intermediary between the, the locker room and the coaching staff to, to understand things a little bit from a player perspective. I, I, I think it's a, a good view to have. You know, uh, some people, um, you know, you can either take those routes, right? Like when you understand maybe the NFL isn't going to be um, – you know, kind of kind of an option for you, at least long-term option for you, and you think, man, I've got a great opportunity at a place like the University of Oklahoma with a great coaching staff, especially on the defensive side of the ball, very storied, accomplished coaching staff that I can kind of, you know, kind of get a jump start on my coaching career. Kind of, I mean, honestly, kind of like Lincoln Riley did at Texas Tech, right? He, they understood, hey, look, 
you're, you don't have a future playing football, but if you get started young, you can really, you know, get a jump start on this. Um, one person that uh, – <laughs> Almost every single coach – Outside of just a very, very small handful of exceptions, almost every coach is a player who could no longer make it. <laughs> well, right? well, well, you know, uh, there's one player, Teddy, that uh, couldn't make it in the NFL, um, so decided to go a couple other routes now, playing in the indoor football league, and uh, maybe he should have gone the coaching route because ex-Texas A&M defensive back Leon O'Neill has been suspended by the Indoor Football League after he entered the stands to confront a player after a big hit. Um, confronting confront a fan. players. Confront or confront a, a fan. Yeah, a fan. Yeah, a kid. Yeah, entering the stands to confront a fan against the Arizona Rattlers, not to be confused with the Spencer Rattlers from Arizona, um, during the closing minutes of Sunday's Indoor Football League game. So, yeah, into the stands. What do you think about that? Um, a part of me thinks he shouldn't be suspended. Okay, walk that out. Well, this isn't the NFL, right? Very this much clear, yes. It's not college football. It's not It's not even the XFL. It's, what'd you say, the Indoor Football League. Yep. All right. This is the most attention the Indoor Football League has ever gotten. And, yeah, okay, we don't want our players going into the stands to fight fans, but I didn't see him hit a fan. Uh, Did anyone get hurt? I don't know. I mean, it's almost like WWE and football mixed together. I think it's something they should embrace. If I were in that town and I was thinking, hey, Let's go. Uh, let's go watch one of these games. You never know what may happen. We may get players coming up into the stands. Looks like entertainment to me. All right, you heard it here first, Teddy. <laughs> pro players <laughs> getting into the stands and confronting fans. I don't know. I and this is going to be even less popular, actually. But you know, some of the way the fans act towards these players and what they're saying, especially NBA, because it seems like they're right on top of them. Like more so now with football, especially like you know, NFL and college, like, you've got a lot of room on the sideline, and I know that's something that this, you know, administration has talked about, like getting more room for the, the players and the coaches and whatnot on the sideline. But in a, in a game like basketball, where you're, like, right on top of them, I mean, you're right next to them, and some of the things that they say, yeah, I mean, you know, wouldn't be bad to have a little, uh, you know, fan reset from time to time, you know? Because it's, yeah. it's kind of like the internet, right? Like, you can say whatever you want over the internet because uh, that person can't come punch you in the face. But, yeah. you know, some, sometimes that society might need it. Every now – it's uh, you, you need – there has to be some type of uh, checks and balances, right? Yes. Well, unfortunately, the uh, uh, O'Neill uh, plays for the Massachusetts Pirates, so they will be without their mm. – I don't know, probably not star defensive back, I imagine, you know – middling defensive back Leon O'Neill. This was remember Teddy during his recruitment. Um he uh he told or during while he was at A&M, he told uh, Texas and Oklahoma fans to stop being so mean to him because when he got drafted to one of their favorite teams, they were going to have to reason with rooting for him. So, um the Massachusetts huh? Pirates fans, I'm sure are dealing with that right now. I hope they weren't mean to him when he was at A&M. 
That's probably it was probably someone who was mean to him whenever he was a recruit, and he finally found him in the stands, and he'd been waiting the entire game, and uh, they finally said something to him. I don't know the long game. The you think he was playing the long game? Yeah, of course. I like it. I like it. Well, we're gonna take one last timeout. Gonna get back on the clock with our last timeout of yeah. the day. Back on the clock. Better late than never, right? So we're going to go ahead and break. We're going to come back for one more segment and wrap up the rush here on a Monday. All right. Last segment of a Monday here on the rush on KREF. The home of Sooner fans. Download the app. KREF free in the app store. Uh, Crystal clear all over the globe. You got the podcasts on there. Everything. You got Travis Davidson here filling in for Tyler McComas. And Teddy Lehman is out at Newcastle Casino. I want to wrap uh, wrap up this Monday, kind of asking your opinion. I, I know you are, you know, you, you are a sometimes an Oklahoma State sympathizer, if you will. Um, you know, I'm not going to go full-blown fan, but, you know, there are times, there are times. Uh, I'll call you a sympathizer. What do you make of, you know, I'm going to kind of paint the picture for you. Cale Davis, Trace Ford, Lexi Keys, and now Kelly Maxwell – have all transferred to Oklahoma from Oklahoma State. The stigma of transferring to your rival is now seemingly completely gone uh, amongst at least Oklahoma State's, some of their best players. Obviously, Trace Ford, highly productive there. Dealt with some health issues, but if he stays healthy, he's one of the best defensive ends, in, in at least in the conference. Kelly Maxwell is a top-five Oklahoma State cowgirl all time when it comes to softball and was their best yeah. player um you you move over to a guy like uh bergen kaiser uh, i think i got that right uh, the defensive end out of edmund santa fe that is choosing to use a pwo offer preferred walk-on offer at oklahoma despite having a full ride football scholarship offer to oklahoma state now Oklahoma has offered another safety, actually Oklahoma State's top-ranked commit in the 2024 class out of uh, Mansfield, Texas. What do you what do you kind of make of all this? Do, does this feel different to you where you have big-time players leaving Oklahoma State to go to OU and you have people turning down full-ride, you know, full-ride scholarships to play football at Oklahoma State in order to walk on to Oklahoma does this feel different yeah I don't know you know it's interesting you know where where's Maxwell from she's from Texas I believe is she yeah I just don't know what part of Texas see you know and that's unique um like for Trace Ford like he's from the area um maybe wants to stay close to home but it it just didn't have the right feel for him for whatever reason at Oklahoma State, and it's your best option if you want to stay close. And if you have that ability to do that, then I don't know. I think every every situation maybe is unique. I mean, Kelly Maxwell is, you know, she's she's an elite pitcher and has the ability to go maybe pitch for a team that that has a really good chance to go win a championship, and that's something that she's want wanted to to be able to do and hard to blame her for that i just think that every every situation is 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 unique i think i i wouldn't expect it to to something that is all of a sudden out of control but and i don't know i i gotta imagine it's probably something that has been similar at 
some other places where you have in-state rivals, right? I mean, that are kind of on the same when, – when I say on the same level, I mean that are, like, in the same conference right. or in the same, you know, like, Division One. Like, I, It's probably something with the transfer portal that's more common than it's ever been. Yeah, I, I think it's – I personally think it's just getting slightly destigmatized, right? Like, it, when Trace Ford made the move, I mean – I haven't seen the snake emoji use, you know, that much since December of 2022. And before that, it was, what, July of 2016. So, you know, the the snake emoji was out for Trace Ford, and then Kelly Maxwell goes. It's almost like, you know, they kind of see it in, in the response of the Oklahoma State fan base, and the more and more that it happens, I guess people are just a bit more comfortable with it. It's not quite as taboo as probably before. But, I mean, four players – in a very short amount of time, all yeah. leaving OSU and all going to OU feels a little bit less like just a, you know, maybe a, uh, a spef- specific one-off situation. And, of course, the text line was helping us out per usual. League City um, down by Houston. Houston. That's not Houston. That's yeah. Houston. With a um, with, with, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, See, the, the softball thing, she just happens to be one of the best pitchers in softball. And the recent trend for some of the best pitchers in softball that aren't at OU is to transfer to OU. So I, I think that one is a little bit different. Yeah. The Trace Ford one, like I said, he's from here. I don't know. I, I doubt it's something that we see just turn into a, a, a really big trend. But it is it is interesting. So Oklahoma All State's right. not our farm team? Dang. I okay. Don't, I don't think so. But, you know, whenever we go to the SEC, that's going to make things even a little more interesting because, you know, none of those players are going to be able to play in the SEC. At least I don't think so. I don't know. That'll add another layer to it. All right, that's it for us. It was a fun day. Uh, Connor did awesome. Travis, is good to have you on. And um, that's it for me. And thanks to Newcastle Casino. We're out of here.